In Christ alone, our hope is found. I hope you know that I'm praying that the lyrics of that song would be the very theme of, of your heart and your life, individually or for your family, in not only the days past, but the days to come. I'm praying that God's Word and the very strength of His Spirit and the presence of His Spirit is, is leading you and guiding you. I miss seeing you. There's no denying that. I think all of us are, are grieving that we're not able to be together physically, but I know that the Spirit of God is with us and unites us even through this technological medium. So this past week, I've been praying, uh, God, what word does the person sitting on the recliner need to hear today? What word does the family uh, sitting around the couch need to hear today? What word does the person watching on their television screen or iPhone screen iPad, whatever and however you're watching, I've asked the Lord to just give His Word to me today to you. And so the Sermon on the Mount is what God continued to bring back to my mind this week as I was praying for you and praying for this moment. Matthew chapter 6 is what I'm going to encourage you to turn to in your copy of God's Word. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you need to pause the video right now, go find a copy of God's Word, open it uh, to Matthew 6, pen and piece of paper, get that for some notes. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor they spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I have a feeling that everyone that is watching today has felt a, a sense of unrest, maybe a unique stresses and even unique anxieties and worries that you've been feeling over these past weeks. Uh, and, and in many ways, I, I always kind of think of anxiety as a thief. An anxiety that oftentimes uh, robs us of sleep. Maybe some of you have had the experience of waking up in the middle of the night and you have this laundry list of what ifs and what abouts that are just going through your head. Uh, it's easy decades ago to be able to hum. You remember that song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. That, that song is really, really catchy, but it seems to ring. Don't you feel that it seems to ring just a little bit hollow? right now when you're just kind of wondering about a lot of question marks. Maybe it's school that you're wondering about and what it's going to look like to do online classes. Maybe you're grieving uh, some of the things that you were looking forward to and you know with certainty now it's not going to be what you imagined it was going to be. Maybe there's some anxiety that you feel just in your work life and 
how is the next two weeks and the next two months, how's it going to span out? And you're worried about your family, maybe they're family members that have dealt with some health issues and you're worried maybe that, uh, that, that they have COVID-19 or, or they have some type of other illness. There, there's a lot of anxiety that you might be feeling even right now. And this passage of scripture, I think is so helpful to all of us in the midst of the anxiety that we might be feeling today. I, I kind of imagine, if you would imagine with me, two different types of people that would hear this passage and maybe hear it in the wrong way. So the first person that hears this passage, let's just call him Sam. And for illustration's sake, let's just call him laid back Sam. So laid back Sam hears the Sermon on the Mount. He hears specifically verses 25 through 34 of Matthew 6. All of this talk about Jesus telling us to not be anxious about tomorrow. And, and he hears this passage and, and he hears it in such a way that it just reinforces some of his personality traits. Well, Layback Sam is the type of person that hears all these warnings about COVID-19 and he takes no precautions. He minimizes the risk. He goes out and spends his savings and someone comes to him and says, hey, uh, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be a little bit more cautious? And then Layback Sam, follower of Jesus, he just retorts back real quickly. Well, Jesus tells us to not be anxious about tomorrow. Well, we might want to take Sam aside and say, well, you know, Sam, it seems as if you're utilizing this passage as a cover, a cover for carelessness, a cover maybe even for selfishness. God's Word clearly tells us to love our neighbor. And one of the ways that we're loving our neighbor right now is by uh, uh, abiding to governmental regulations and, and to some of the health uh, cautions that are being given to us. We want to love our neighbor well through social distancing. And Sam just ignores that and he utilizes this passage as a cover ultimately for carelessness. So we got Sam, uh, layback Sam, and now I want to introduce you to someone else because we don't only have Sam, but I imagine someone like Larry. And for illustration's sake, let's call Larry uh, laid off Larry. Uh, and Larry's facing this passage here and he says, yeah, yeah, it's really, really easy for Jesus to say to not be anxious about tomorrow. He didn't have to apply for unemployment uh, benefits today. Uh, it's easy for Jesus to say, don't be anxious about tomorrow. He never looked into the face of four small daughters and wondered to himself, how am I going to pay the rent at the end of the month? Or how am I going to certainly pay the rent next month? He, he never, in, in Larry's mind, he, he, he thinks that Jesus, uh, he has no relevance for his life whatsoever. He, he thinks that this passage is just absolutely irrelevant because of the dire circumstances and the uncertainties that are all around him. So you have Larry who looks at this passage and he says, this is just absolutely irrelevant to my life because of the difficulty that I'm facing. And you got Sam that just says, it's really relevant to my life and I'm gonna use it as a cover for carelessness. I'm gonna use it a cover. I'm gonna use it as a cover for selfishness. Is there a better way? Is there a better way to see this passage for your life and for my life. I really think that there is. And what I want you to see this morning is, I want you to see that when worry and anxiety creeps into your life, which it does for all of us, Jesus isn't saying that we're not followers of him if we experience worry. He's telling us how to deal with our worries. So everyone that's watching this, this pastor first and foremost, we're going to deal with worry. We're going to deal with anxiety. Some of our personality temperaments are going to 
react to it in different ways. So that's just a part of the human disposition. That's a part of who we are living here on the earth. But what this passage reminds me of is that all of our worries ultimately are an invitation. Let me say that again, that your worry and my worry, the anxious feelings that we have, they're always an invitation. And from God's word, I want you to see first this morning, I want you to see that worry is an invitation to trust God fully. Let me say that again. Your worry is an invitation to trust God fully. Look again with me in verse 25. Do you notice the first word in your copy of God's word? Do you see that it's a transitional word? It says, therefore. I had a New Testament professor in college, sort of a trite statement, but there's truth to it, although it's a cliche. When you see a therefore in scripture, you need to always ask, what is it therefore? And of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus tells us from verses 25 through 34, it's not a proverb. It's, it's not uh, something that should just be taken out of context and used in isolation. It's connected to a larger argument. So the therefore connects us back to verses 19 through 21, where Jesus warns us from putting our hope in earthly vessels, earthly treasures that are temporary and not eternal. He tells us in verse 24, right before verse 25, that we cannot worship both God and mammon. We can't worship both God and money. So that therefore is connected specifically to the financial and to our relationship to our possessions. And this is helpful for us to understand what Jesus is saying in this passage. It's contemporary in so many ways because Jesus is saying, if we put all of our we put our hope, if we put our identity in our stuff, in our possessions, well, at times our possessions will not be here with us in, in the way that we hold on to them so tightly. If you put your identity in the, the rising of your 401k, what happens when it doesn't soar and it begins to sink? Well, your identity begins to crumble. When we put our whole hope, our whole trust, our whole identity in our profession, in our work. What happens when we get laid off? Well, we lose a sense of who we are. And what Jesus is saying here is don't live, don't live as if everything depends upon what you have and who, or excuse me, what you do. Don't, don't depend upon, uh, don't live your life as if everything depends upon what you have and what you do. Actually, your identity is much more than what you have and what you do. Your identity is rooted in something that can never leave you. Your identity as a follower of Jesus is rooted in a God who is unchanging. And so what Jesus says is when we feel worry, when we feel worry about maybe we're going to lose this or lose that, it's an invitation to trust God fully. It's an invitation uh, to look up, to look up and to look around. Notice in this passage that Jesus says, look up at the birds of the air. Look how Jesus, look how God cares for them by feeding them. Look at the lilies of the field. Look how God cares for them by clothing them. So how much more so, Jesus is saying, how much more so will I, God, a God who loves you and a God who cares for you, how much more will I clothe you and how much more will I, tr uh, will I feed you? So worry is an invitation. It's an invitation for us to ask the question, do I trust God? Do I trust God fully? Now, should we be concerned? Of course we should 
be concerned. Uh, concerned and anxiety, they're not synonyms here. Of course, concern, it brings us oftentimes to our knees. It brings us oftentimes to confessing, I need you, oh, I need you. Oh God, how I need you. Uh, so should we be concerned? Of course. Uh, is this an invitation, this passage here, to let go and let God? No. Uh, the birds of the air were fed worms, not by God dropping them out of, of heaven like uh, some type of heavenly manna. No, they, they had to work for that. They had to look for that. And so it is for us. Uh, your responsibility and God's sovereignty, they go hand in hand in here. And so God has given us a responsibility to work. He's given us a responsibility to use our mind. He's given us hands to use to be able to provide for ourselves under, notice what I'm saying, under his sovereign love, his sovereign care, his sovereign provision. So here I am worrying, here I am filled with anxious thoughts. It's an invitation for me once again to say, my identity is not wholly wrapped up in what I possess, but rather it is securely in you. So I trust you, God, fully. Secondly, this morning, worry is an invitation. It's an invitation to talk to God frequently. Notice in this passage here, Jesus doesn't say the cure for your anxiety is sort of to grit your teeth and say, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry. Rather, Jesus wants us to turn our focus, wants to turn our focuses from the circumstances around us to an invitation to notice in verse 33, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, how do we do that? One of the passages that I oftentimes have written in the margin of my Bibles to kind of help me understand what does it look like to seek first his kingdom, especially when worry and anxiety just buffets me uh, around every part of my life and I can't get away from it. First Peter chapter five or seven says, cast your anxiety, cast your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. Do you hear me? Peter tells us, cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. When I was 16 years old, I felt called into the ministry. And one of the first things I did, it's so strange, uh, looking back upon this as a teenager, that my first instinct to get advice for what I should do, what I should study, where I should go to college, to become a minister, to become a preacher of God's word, my first instinct at the age of 16 was to write a letter to none other than Billy Graham himself. So I sat down as a 16-year-old, write out handwritten letter, mailed it off to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And would you believe this, that a month later, I go to my mailbox and I pull out a letter and it was addressed to David Eldridge. I looked up at the return address and it was from North Carolina, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I opened up the letter and there it was, Dear David, and all of these paragraphs of advice that was given to me. Uh, what I should study, how I should seek the Lord. Uh, the uh, author of the letter was praying for me and I got to the very end and I was so excited to see Billy Graham's signature at the end and it said, sincerely, and I don't remember the name of the person, John Smith, let's just say, sincerely, John Smith, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Associate. And in that moment, I thought, ah, could Billy Graham not take the time to write me back individually? Well, look, I knew at the age of 16 that Billy Graham wasn't going to be answering all of his letters. I knew at the age of 16 that Billy Graham wasn't going to be writing letters back to every person that would write a letter to him. Of course I knew that, of course I knew that. But I tell you, he, 
as a person, he's in heaven now, he as a person could not handle all the correspondence that was coming to him. But I, I want you to understand the difference between a finite person who's in demand and the God of the universe who desires to hear from you. He, he desires to open each letter that you write to him as you bend your knees in prayer and you seek him. Uh, that Do you understand that the Holy Spirit ensures the delivery of your prayer to the one who is at the right-hand throne of the Father, Jesus Christ, and uh, Jesus Christ himself intercedes and brings it to the desk of God the Father, and the Father receives your prayers. He doesn't cast it away. He doesn't, he's not a busy CEO, a CEO over all of the universe who doesn't have the time for the minutia and the mundane of your life and of my life, that every time that we go to him in prayer, he hears our prayers. So when you worry, I love the way Henry Nouwen talks about this. You remember Henry Nouwen? Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest, uh, acclaimed author, and he talked about worry being sort of like monkeys in your mind that just jump from branch to branch and they're untamable. You can't calm them down. And so I, I've always remembered Nowen's analogy. And while we can't tame the monkeys of our mind, one thing that we can do is we can name them. We, we can name them. And if, if you have that monkey of worry and anxiety, and it looks a certain way and it's jumping from branch to branch, name it and send it to the Lord in prayer. If, if it is floating in your mind, it's something that concerns you. It's something that is, is uh, maybe even overwhelming to you. So take it daily to the Lord in prayer. Take it daily to the Lord in prayer. And he hears your prayers and he answers your prayers. I don't know exactly how he's going to answer it, but he always answers it in and through his sovereign will. What a wonderful truth for us to know. He is never too busy to answer the mail of your cares and of your anxieties. Worry is always an invitation. It's an invitation to trust God fully. It's an invitation to talk to God frequently. And finally, it's an invitation to turn to God faithfully. Worries, do you know this? I, I, I'm being reminded of this in my own life. Worries reveal to me where I turn to for security. Worries reveal to me where I find my comfort. Worries at times, they reveal to me what I think I just cannot live without. Now, not all of these are idols, but sometimes our worries and our anxieties can reveal to us what we hold dearest in our life, what defines us the most in our life. And what Jesus says is an antidote to our worry is verse 33, again, he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to us. What he tells us when we worry is to talk to him frequently, but he also tells us to, to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, that he wants us to be about his business. What an opportunity we have as a church. What an opportunity we have as individual Christians in the midst of worry, in the midst of anxiety, to turn our face to him and to seek his character, to seek his will, to be the neighbors that God has called us to be. What an opportunity that we have in this time to be men and women that look 
different than the world, when the uncertainties of tomorrow are around all of us, where will we turn? Well, we as Christians, we can turn to him and we can seek his will. We can seek his face. We can seek his desire for us. And his desire for us is to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I pray that in the midst of worry, that you are not paralyzed by worry, but you're asking God, how can I serve you right now? It's going to look different. I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but I'm not going to waste these worries. I'm not going to waste these anxieties because you've given me, God, a calling to be about your will and your way. And so I want to seek that first in my life. I'm not going to be paralyzed by the uncertainties of tomorrow because this I know much has changed, but your character has not changed. Your calling has not changed. Your desire for me to love my neighbors and to point them to the unchanging truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the opportunity that you've given all of us, myself and you watching, first and foremost here. So we want to pray that in the midst of all of this, that we're not going to be pulled, first and foremost, by the undertow of the circumstances around us, but we want to live out of the overflow of Christ in us. And that that looks really different in this world. I remember a few years ago reading this journalist in the Atlantic magazine. His name was Scott Stossel, and he talked very transparently uh, about the anxiety that he faced for mo most of his life. And in this honest, honest uh, journalistic uh, article, he, he said this, and I'll, I'll quote his words here, from an early age, I, Scott Stossel, was a twitchy bundle, phobias and fears and neuroses. Much of my life, he said, was, uh, has been buffeted by worry. Here's what I've tried to deal with my anxiety. Individual psychotherapy, three decades of it. Family therapy, group therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, rational emotive behavior therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, uh, hypnosis, meditation, role playing, self uh, health workbooks, massage therapy, acupuncture, yoga, stoic philosophy, audio tapes that he ordered off of late night TV infomercials, and medication. And then he lists 21 different uh, types of medication here. And if I tried to list them all, I would stumble over some of the pronunciations here. So you get the point of what he's saying. And then he, he caps it off at the very end of his article by saying, and for good measure, I've turned to my share of beer, wine, gin, bourbon, vodka, and scotch. My heart goes out because he comes to the very end of this and in light of this litany of things that he has turned to in the midst of his anxiety, severe anxiety, no doubt, true worry, no doubt, he says this, this is what worked. Nothing. This is what's worked. Nothing. Now don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand the use of this article here. In, in my own life and in your life, I, I can see, there's no doubt, there's a place for medicine to treat anxiety, and especially the more severe forms of anxiety. There's no denying that whatsoever. God has equipped us and he's given us uh, the opportunities at times to have medicine to help us through some types of anxiety and worry in our life. No, no, no doubt about that. I've benefited from counseling in my own life. In my own life, I've had godly uh, Christian counselors that have helped me walk through worry and anxiety. Uh, there's a place, you know this, there's a place for exercise, there's a place for diet, but what grieves me about this article is, is what grieves me about this article is what he 
doesn't say. He, he turned everywhere. He turned everywhere for a solution, but he didn't turn to God. He didn't turn to God faithfully. He didn't trust in God, at least in this article. He didn't talk to God. And I just want to reach out to you here. I, I literally want you to hear the hope of a relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of the uncertainty of the days that we're living in. If you are a follower of Jesus, there are some things that you do not have to worry about. Do you know that? You do not have to worry about your eternity because you're a follower of Jesus. You do not have to worry, does God love me? He sent his son for you. He, he has died for you. You do not have to worry about this. And so if you're watching this today and you're not a follower of Jesus, there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted him as your savior and Lord, I, I want you to know that he loves you too that he has a plan for you, that he sent his son for you. So in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your worry, there are real worries, there's real anxiety. Maybe God is speaking to you to show you you've turned everywhere, but maybe today is the day that you would turn to him, trust him, follow him, accept him as your Lord and Savior. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? There's a lot of uncertainties in our world, but this we know for sure. I don't know. I have no idea what tomorrow holds, but I know him. I know a God who holds my every tomorrow. So, Christian, turn to him. Trust him and talk to him this week, even in the midst of your worry and anxiety. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that it speaks to our hearts. I pray for any person that's watching this today that's not a follower of you. I pray that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that you love them, that you sent your son for them, and that you have redeemed them through his death, his burial, his resurrection. That today, if they would but turn to you, trust in you, admit that they were a sinner, believe in the finished work of the gospel, and commit their life to you, I pray for those of us that are followers of you, and we're still struggling with worry. We're still struggling with anxiety. I pray, God, that you would help us, even today, to turn to you, to talk to you. There, there's a temptation, maybe, that we feel to, to not talk to you faithfully, to not talk to you in prayer. Maybe we're overwhelmed a little bit by life here. And so just remind us that you desire to, to answer our prayer, to converse with us in the midst of our uncertainty. So God, thank you for what we do know. This is what we do know, that you love us, that you have a plan for us, that you sent your son for us, and you want to have a deep and abiding relationship with each and every one of us. And so for that, I'm grateful. There's a lot that we're uncertain about, but we are certain of these truths. So we pray this in the name of your son and our savior, Jesus, amen.